0: Welcome to New City. I'm Tammy. And I'm Ron. And we have some exciting news for you this morning. Ron has accepted the new role as New City Online Pastor. We're so excited for you. Congratulations, Ron.
1: Thanks, Tammy. And I'm really excited about this new opportunity in building out some new ways for us to connect online. So if you're looking for a place to call home, go to newcity.us slash connect, fill the form out, and I'll be in touch with you this week.
0: And we have already begun to prepare our locations for our Welcome Home Regathering on August 9th. We are looking forward to being together.
1: we have some updated service times for those gatherings on August the 9th. Idlewild Campus will meet at 6 p.m. at Cokesbury United Methodist. South Park is gonna be at 8.15, 9.30 and 11 a.m. Matthews Campus will be 9.30 and 11 a.m. And new city online will be 9:30, 30 11 a.m and an eight o'clock p.m service and of course we'll have services on demand at any time
0: and if you aren't quite ready to gather physically no worries we'll continue having our new city online service every week now let's get ready to worship
2: thanks so much for joining us today wherever you're coming from we're glad that you're here to start like we normally do by inviting you to tap along, sing along if you want to, but listen in and let's give God glory today.
3: This is the day that You have made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. For all my hope is in Your name, and now Your joy.
2: All right, glory be to God today. We wanna do take a breath, we wanna take a breath. Slow things down for a minute, Hannah's gonna lead us in a beautiful song. If you've not heard it, I wanna encourage you to really lean into the lyrics of this song. Let it bless your heart today. that grace that's new and fresh and available to us through jesus our lord amen
0: what a comfort it is every week to know that the new city family is worshiping together
1: and another way we're able to worship is by giving giving of our time giving of our resources new city has launched a new initiative called school spirit and this school year looks a lot different for a lot of students but we want to, to give supplies to these students of our partner schools as they're coming on campus in the first few days. And these supplies are gonna be what carries them throughout the whole year of virtual learning. The way you can be a part of that is to go to our website, newcity.us slash You can find out more details as well as give, just select school spirit from that drop-down menu.
0: Mm-hmm. And providing for the material needs of students in our city is such a way that New City expresses our faith and generosity. And really, that's what it is. We are expressing our faith. We are being who we are as followers of Jesus when we give. And if you want to give today to the work of New City, uh, to what we're doing here in our community, to what we're doing with local partners and global partners, you can do that very easily. Just go to the website, newcity.us give. And now will you join me in praying for our offering today? Father, we are just so grateful to know that all across our city, we are worshiping you together. We are a unified body, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you allow us to invest in the work that you're doing. We thank you for the mission of New City. And today, as Rodney and Chris share with us that last a message in the sermon series, Blind Spots, Seeking Justice from the Inside Out. We ask that you give them your words and we ask that you challenge us and teach us today. It's in your name we pray, amen.
4: Well, thanks for joining us today for New City Online. I'm Rodney, one of the pastors here and I'm excited today to have my brother, Pastor Chris with me today for part three of our series entitled Blind Spots. Many of you may recall that as we started this series, we began by saying that this this series is meant to be more of a launching pad rather than a landing spot, meaning that this is just the beginning of of the work that our church is doing to speak into the call and the need for racial reconciliation, justice, and unity. I also want to remind you that, that our team has put together a great website entitled A Just City. You can find it at justcity.us. And this website has tons of great information to help all of us continue to educate ourselves in the areas of racial reconciliation. And as many of you may be familiar with, our tagline for the series, our tagline is Seeking Justice from the Inside Out. And Pastor Chris, over the last couple of weeks, I have been really meditating on psalm 89 14 psalm 89 14 and 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 it says this it says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne i love that righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne so clearly uh, god's desire is for both righteousness and justice not 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 just in heaven but here on earth and so so I, i went on uh a journey to, to find out what exactly is justice. What, what is justice God's way? And I, and I came across a, a great definition of biblical justice by Dr. Tony Evans. And it says this, it says, justice, biblical justice is the equitable and impartial application of God's moral law in society. That's so great. He goes on to say that, therefore, since justice is one of the things that God establishes his throne on, there can be no clear, clear definition of justice that excludes God. That's so great. I, I, love, I love also Chris in, in his book, Oneness Embraced. Dr. Tony Evans says, he says, Ultimately, doing justice fulfills the two greatest commandments that were given to us by Jesus. The first being love God and the second being to love one another. Justice, ladies and gentlemen, is first accomplished when it is reconciled in one's own heart. And we discussed this a few weeks ago when we challenged ourselves to follow David's words in Psalm 139, when he asked God to to search me and know me and point out anything in me, God, that is offensive to you. And so in week one, we dealt with, with character, personal character. And last week, we moved from character to conversations as we heard from members of our New City family and gleaned from their experiences and their insights. And so this week, again, I'm excited to be with Pastor Chris, and we're going to talk about today commitment. Two commitments specifically. First, a commitment to speak up, and then second, a commitment to live out the gospel. But before we do that, let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you so much for this great day that you have made. Thank you for this opportunity for us to sit at your feet, God, and to learn of you. Thank you for this opportunity to not only learn how to love you better, but to love each other more deeply. And God, we believe by faith that even as we sit in your presence, you are continuing to break down the walls that separate us from you and from one another. So God, we ask that in this moment, you would be glorified, that you would search our hearts and you would know us. Help us to be vulnerable with you and humble with one another, that you can continue to do the work, God, that only you can do in our midst. We thank you for it, and we believe in great things because you are a great God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, family, well, I want to invite you to turn with us to Galatians chapter number two. We're going to look at verses 11 through 21. Again, that's Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. If you have uh, the app downloaded on your, on your mobile device, you can find it there. The, the scripture should be preloaded there for you. But Pastor Chris is going to start us off by talking about a commitment to speak up. Commitment to speak up. Pastor Chris.
5: Thank you. Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. But when Cephas came to Antioch, and Cephas is Peter, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? Let, let me stop here as we talk about this, this commitment today to, to not only speaking up, but living out the gospel. When it comes to, to speaking up, it's not just sharing your opinions, it's holding other brothers and sisters accountable to the commitment that we've made to follow Jesus and moreover the life of Christ and his commitment to us living in and through us to seek justice and mercy and compassion and kindness and love for people around us. Uh, Paul says Peter came to the church at Antioch and just to give a little bit of context for that uh, Peter was the apostle to the the circumcised, that is to the Jews. And if you start back in Galatians chapter 1, and I hope you will because uh, Galatians is a, a, a kind of a, a stick of dynamite, if you will. It's it's a small uh, book, it's a small letter, but it's, a, but it's an amazingly powerful tool for the gospel. And so Paul is writing to a church that he helped to found and he says to them, you know, Who who came and deceived you so quickly? I I can't believe verse 6 and Galatians 1. I'm astonished that you have so quickly deserted the gospel, that you've stepped away from uh, the one who wants to work in and through your life to show you justice and mercy and kindness and love, and then work out of your life uh, to show the same to others. That is Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you have so quickly walked away from the gospel. And this should be a A warning to each of us who are Christ followers how quickly we can be pulled away from the truth of the gospel. And blind spots can begin to develop in all areas of our lives as we step away from looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And again, if you go on and you read Galatians 1, we don't have time today to go through it all, but just for some context... Paul is saying, I'm surprised you've walked away. There's people that have come into your midst, into the church at Galatia, and have begun to distort the gospel and to trouble you. And make no mistake, there are people who will come into the church, capital C church today, and will want to trouble Christ followers and try to distort the gospel. Uh, the enemy is a deceiver, he is a liar, he is a distorter. And he will send people into the church to try to do just that among us. And so that's what's happening. And his chief goal is for us to take our eyes off of Jesus. Because if we take our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to look at ourselves and we begin to look at other people, we'll begin to lose the gospel of grace that saved us in the first place. And we'll begin to live by the law. That's essentially what is happening here, just for context. And so Paul begins to give a little bit of an autobiography. And again, go back and read it in Galatians 1. He, he starts out by talking about this gospel that I have preached to you um, is not from myself. It's from God. It's the grace of God that saved me. And now it's his grace that compels me to share this same gospel of truth with you. And he goes, I love this, this verse in verse 10. This is maybe a word for some of you today. He says, if I was seeking the approval of man, um, I, I wouldn't be able to please God. If I'm trying to please man, I can't please God. If I'm still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And so he, what, he, what he's trying to say is if I've got my eyes on myself and I've got my eyes on other people, I don't know if any of you are approval addicts or want the approval of other people. Um, if I've got myself just on wanting to get the approval of other people, then I've stepped away from serving Jesus. I've, kept, I've, I've gotten my eyes off of Christ. The author and the perfecter of my faith, and the one, the only one that I should seek the approval of. But he says, moreover, I I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and we shared what was going on and how God had called me. Paul is speaking to be an apostle to the uncircumcised, just like Peter was a, an apostle to the Jews. Uh, Paul says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. That's my calling. That's the group of people that God has called me to share the gospel with. So he goes from this place called Antioch to Jerusalem to share with them his ministry. And just to skip ahead, uh, after they share um, with one another, after Paul tells them the things that, are the, 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 that they've been doing with the Gentiles, and he says, I want to make sure I'm not running in vain, that I'm in step uh, with the leadership. Uh, Peter, James, and John extend a right hand of fellowship. That is a brotherhood, an acceptance of the ministry of Paul and of Barnabas. Now you say, Chris, why are you telling me all this? Uh, you know, uh, Let's get back to verses 11 through 14 because this is really important in the context of what's getting ready to happen back at Antioch. So they've been in Jerusalem. Peter, James, and John, the three pillars of the, the New Testament church, have extended fellowship uh, to Paul and to Barnabas. In other words, they've put their stamp of approval on their ministry to the Gentiles. Now fast forward, we get to verse 11. And when Cephas, when Peter comes to Antioch, now he's on, uh, I, I, I don't want to talk about it like in terms of turf, but Peter goes from his hometown, Jerusalem, the, the home of the, the Jewish faith, and, and the New Testament uh, faith started in Jerusalem. But, but now the center of Christianity, if you will, is beginning to shift from Jerusalem to Antioch. And if you go and read the book of Acts, Uh, the story of the New Testament church, you'll see that shift begin to happen. And from the ministry of Peter to the ministry of Paul, the curtain begins to to close on the ministry of Peter halfway through the book of of Acts and the the curtain begins to rise on the ministry of Paul. And we begin to see Antioch become the center of Christendom. And, And so Antioch becomes the sending church. Antioch becomes the church that sends uh, Paul and his missionary associates to all over the known world to preach the gospel and to make disciples of all the Gentile nations. So now in verse 11, we find Peter in Antioch. And this is a really important moment that Paul is including in his letter just to be recorded in the word of God for us to read from Galatians 2. Because what happens is when Peter comes there, he's enjoying fellowship. He probably remembers his vision, um, you know, that where he saw the, the sheet and all the animals and and God God says, what, what I call clean, don't call unclean. And he's talking about not just uh, food, but he's talking about a people group, talking about the Gentiles and how the gospel is for everybody. And so they're sitting at the table together of fellowship, Jew and Gentile, enjoying fellowship in the Lord, just like we should be today. There was a lot of diversity in the church at Antioch, a really healthy church. But then something happens. Look at the text again with me. So they're enjoying fellowship. They're celebrating uh, the good news of Jesus together, the life of Christ within one another. And and then something happens. James, who is the pastor at Jerusalem, uh, we don't know whether he sent a delegation or whether this delegation came from Jerusalem uh, under the banner of James, which is probably the more likely scenario that they said they were from James uh, and represented kind of the the religious authority from Jerusalem. Because remember, the center of the, the, the early church was in Jerusalem. So they come to Antioch uh, where Barnabas is pastoring the church at Antioch where Paul's ministry was really beginning to flourish. Peter comes and he's eating, he's, he's celebrating. Here comes this group and what happens? Look at the text with me. Peter withdraws from the table and they, they go back to the separation of Jew and Gentile. And again, this is we talked about this last week. One of the backdrops of the New Testament and the sharing of the gospel is this hostility between different people groups, between Jews and Samaritans, between Gentiles and Jews, between different nations. And that the beauty of the gospel is that every tribe, nation, and tongue will gather before the throne of God, will kneel before Him in submission to the authority of King Jesus. Every tribe and nation. And we've been sent into every tribe, nation, and tongue to share the gospel. And so the gospel unifies us. But what we see happening all throughout the New Testament is this division between races, between cultures, and the ultimate unifier is Jesus. So in the context of Galatians 2 and the whole idea of a commitment to speaking up, because that's what Paul does. Peter, when the, when the, when the party of the circumcision, which were probably former Pharisees who were now in the church, Uh, and they they kind of fall back on their old religious ways and their old old ways of the law. And they look at Peter, this pillar of the church, and he's enjoying fellowship and sitting at the same table, this sacred place, Jew and Gentile, different socioeconomic statuses, uh, different races, different ethnicities, all together at the table of God, enjoying fellowship with one another under the banner of King Jesus, which we should be today. It's a beautiful scene. And then all of a sudden the record player scratches and everything stops because this group comes and Peter. Peter, fearing what they would think about him, back to verse 10 in Galatians 1 where Paul says, if I'm trying to win the approval of other people, I can't win the approval of God. But guess what Peter does and guess what many of us do? He slips back into being an approval addict and wanting the approval of this religious party and probably very influential people in the church and he slips back to his old behavior and Paul says, no way. And and what happens is that as Peter does that, guess what, leadership matters, And all of us as Christ followers are leading someone. We're leading our family members. We're leading our neighbors. We're leading our coworkers. People are looking to us and how we're going to behave, especially in light of things that are happening in our culture and our world right now. What's the difference that Christ will make for the person that I'm watching who's a Christ follower? You will be the Bible that many people will read before they'll read the Scriptures. What difference is Christ making? So as these young believers, these Gentile believers who are enjoying, you know, equality with their, with their Jewish brothers and, and, and sisters at the table of God, and then all of a sudden all that is ruined and it goes back to the way that it was before under the law, Paul sees all this. And as Peter goes, so go many other people in the church. When he drew back, other people drew back. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically, and that, that, that's the word. Hypocrisy is is walking in a way that doesn't match what you say you believe. You say you believe this about Jesus and that the foot of the at the foot of the cross it's it's level it's equal for all, for all people but you're not acting that way. And and look at verse 13. This is so painful, a dagger to the heart. Paul says in this whole scene of the the, the lunch table and being separated now Jew and Gentile under the law when this religious party comes and Peter leading the way and falling into hypocrisy and other people following his leadership, even Barnabas, even the one who originally found Paul and brought him to Antioch to begin his pastoral ministry there, This, this one who was so influential, even Barnabas It reminds me of Julius Caesar uh, when when he says to Brutus, You also, Brutus? When When he sees Brutus as one of the co conspirators that assassinates him, he says, Even you, even you, Barnabas, Paul says, you're a part of this too. And then listen to this this is so powerful. When I saw this, because we're talking about making a commitment to speaking up, particularly in the area of racial reconciliation and justice, but in every area of injustice because God, as Pastor Rodney began, God is a God of justice and his throne is established on justice and righteousness. And God is committed to justice. God has committed to us being agents of justice, but it's only through Jesus that we can pursue justice because left unto ourselves, we are an unjust people. We're we're unable, we're unable to live in a just way if we don't look to the example and to the person of Jesus. And so Paul, full of the spirit and looking to Jesus, sees what's happening. Look at verse 14. He says, When I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of what? The cultural norms? The, 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 the latest poll, uh, what, what my opinion, my hot sports opinion about what I think should be happening, when, when I saw that their conduct was not in step with, say it with me, the truth of the gospel, yeah. that's when I spoke up because of what was at stake, the very heart of the gospel. And dear friends, that's what is at stake today. The church has to find its voice to speak up for Jesus, to say that, that because of Christ, our life is different and the way that we live as, as citizens in the kingdom of God, following King Jesus, that makes our life different, the way we speak, the way we live, the way we act out. This is, again, I talked about this last week, this is not about taking a political stance. This is about t- standing on the solid rock of the word of God and Christ. And I'm afraid I'm afraid as a pastor, I'm afraid as a follower of Jesus in my own life at times that I have ceded way too much ground to the culture and I've not stood, stood on the solid rock of, of the word of God and what Christ says, what he calls us to. And so far too many voices are out there in our culture, and our world, just chirping and saying all kinds of different thing, things that don't match up with the gospel, and the church sometimes shrinks back because we don't want to be controversial and we don't want to be, we don't want to be seen in a negative light. And so we, we don't want to speak up on these things. And I'm afraid that we've allowed other people to speak in a voice in a way that we've been called to speak into. When it comes to this series, blind spots, and there's all, as Pastor Rodney uh, mentioned in his, in his first message, there's all kinds of issues of injustice in our world because we live in a broken, fallen world. And we're meant to be salt and light and kingdom agents and engage, not, 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 not acquiesce, but through the power of the gospel, trust God to transform our world and culture. But one of the things that I think is happening right now, Rodney, is that, uh, uh, you know, a whole spirit of progressivism and really humanism is taking over. And this idea goes all the way back to Genesis, really goes back to Genesis 3. But if you fast forward to Genesis 11, what happens is a group of people get together and say, we wanna to stay together. We don't wanna scatter up. Right? We want, to, we want one, one, you know, one, one voice here together and we wanna build this tower, one effort, right? We wanna build this tower so we can reach heaven on our own. And we want to make a what? A name for ourselves as humanity. And I'm afraid what's happening right now is that, 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 that instead of the church speaking up and saying, you know, it's not about building a tower to heaven, that, that failed in Genesis 11. It's about the spirit of God, Acts chapter 2, falling on us and heaven coming to earth instead of us trying to bring earth to heaven. And, and, and I just want to be very, very clear because, we, you know, we've tried to engage um, and, and talk about cultural issues right now. We've talked about, you know, lots of different things throughout this series and in lots of different ways. But I just want, I want to be very, very clear here as your pastor that as we engage and we talk about things that, that the culture is struggling with, racism being one of them, injustice being one of them, blind spots being one of them for all of, for, for all of us, we're not speaking about it from a humanistic perspective. We're trying to bring the voice of Christ and the voice of truth into the marketplace and the things that the world is struggling with. And again, I'm afraid that we've kind of stepped back because we think we don't want to be political and we don't want to cause a stir and we don't and 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 we've seeded way too much ground. And and so specifically, and I and, and I mentioned this to Pastor Pastor Rodney that I was going to going to say this in the message, you know both of us in the last several weeks have said you know as we hear that phrase and that term black lives matter we're saying it in a in a ubiquitous way that it's it's been it's been used you know to really point to injustices uh to to historical racism and things that the church has to be speaking about and honestly if you if you study church history far too often the church hasn't found its voice and spoken about but i want to be very very clear We are a politically neutral church. We are apolitical. We don't support candidates. We don't support political organizations. We don't support the political organization of Black Lives Matter. In fact, we stand in juxtaposition to many of their positions. But, But here's the thing that frustrates me so much is that an organization that is clearly more humanistic and stands against many of the, the narratives and the call of the scriptures, stands against many biblical foundations that we build our hearts and our lives on, the truth of God, the nuclear family, the, the, the idea that God has put order in society and culture, that the authorities are set in place by God. Many of the things that the scriptures teach us, I'm afraid that we have seeded that ground and the, and the church has been afraid to speak into it. And to call people back to what God says. So I know I'm, I know I'm going here. But, but listen, when we read this passage in Galatians chapter 2, and we look at verses 11 through 14, don't be mistaken. This is exact, there's nothing new under the sun. The, the same things that we're experiencing today injustice, inequality, you know, people who don't feel like they have a voice, people that have been marginalized, people that have been hurt, of, of all different shapes and sizes and forms of all kinds of injustice. That's the exact same thing that's happening here. And Paul sees it and he speaks up. Not because he's trying to be a jerk or he's trying to, to, to you know, to, um, to assert his authority in any kind of way or be superior or anything. No, no, the contrary, because he knows what's at stake. And he doesn't bring it back and say, well, here's my opinion. And, you know, people are talking about this right now or there's this political movement or this. this. That's not what he says at all. He brings it back to what? He brings it back to Jesus. And he says, you, you, you got to speak up. Not just to be another voice clamoring, but the voice of Christ and the culture that desperately, desperately needs to hear the voice of Christ of truth and be reminded of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the the justice of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus that becomes our firm foundation, not a political organization or humanism or any of the progressive movements that really are against a biblical narrative, but the the very foundation of Christ that makes us stand up and say, I want to be a a pursuer of justice. I want to be a pursuer of righteousness and let it begin with me. So yeah, Maybe that's enough speaking up for me. Yeah, so, no. so a commitment to speaking up, a commitment
4: to speaking up, Galatians 2. Yeah, Pastor Chris, that, that's so good. Because one of the things I think about as I look at those first couple of verses, um, 11 through 14, it makes me think about how the Gentiles would have felt had Paul not spoken up. It makes me think about, about how they would have felt. Um, and and, and it, it just further ingrains to me our position as Christ followers in the church. Um, because had Paul been silent, he would have been complicit with, with Peter's behavior. And, and our silence as a, as a church is complicit with all of the things that, that are going on in culture that are against God's word. And so that's why speaking up is, is, is so important. And you brought out some, some, some really good things um, from that first couple of verses of Scripture that, that really are, are really important to me. And, and, and speak to the heart of what I believe that our, our position should be as a church. That, that, that was so good. That was so good. Well, and
5: just 30 seconds here, I promise. What's at stake, as we mentioned that, is Antioch becomes the sending church for, for the, um, you know, the, the center of gravity, if you will, really begins to shift from Jerusalem to Antioch. In this moment right here, if, if Peter falls back, if all the other um, Jewish Christians in Antioch fall back, if Paul falls back, Antioch doesn't become Antioch. They, they don't become the sending church. All of the churches that were planted out of Antioch, they don't get planted. I don't think this is hyperbole. Mm. We may not be sitting here right now because ultimately we can trace our uh, Christian lineage all the way back to the sending church of Antioch and the churches that began
4: to plant and plant and plant and send the gospel forth. That's what's at stake. Mm. Wow, man, this, this, is, this is so good. So good. All right, so, so let's, let's keep reading. Let's read uh, now verses 16 through 21. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And here it is, family. If and, rather, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21 says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Man, I, I love that. I love, I, I, I love this. And, and Paul is, there, there's a lot here. So again, as, as Pastor Chris mentioned, please take some time and, and, and go through this uh, passage uh, on your own. But, but but there's a lot here. And Paul begins by, by talking about how, as Christ followers, we should be justified, and that is by faith. And he's emphasizing this to Peter because Peter's actions said, in part, that we are considered right before God by the works of the law. And and and, and that's not true. Uh, Pastor Chris, you told me uh, about a quote from 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 Bob Golf. Uh, Golf. Can can you mention that that quote here?
5: Yeah, he said. Um you know, he said, I'm afraid today that we're trying to become better versions of ourselves Mm. instead of more accurate versions of Christ.
4: Mm. I love that. I love that. And so, so being justified by faith keeps our eyes on Christ and not what other people think. And so as Pastor Chris talked about, Peter was in fear of what these other people would think about him if he was fellowshipping with the, the, the Gentiles. And, and so I love this. Paul, Paul goes on to talk about, uh, in verse 18, he says, he says, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. And, and, and Pastor Chris talked about this on the panel last week, about that, that, that dividing wall that Christ has broken down. In fact, Ephesians 2.14 says this, it says, for he himself, speaking of Jesus, is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility? And so Paul here is describing the work of Christ that once and for all broke down the wall between us and God. And, and not only that, Pastor Chris, it, it doesn't stop there. He he talks about uh, that it not only broke down the wall between us and God, but it broke down the horizontal wall of hostility between. Between people. Yeah. Broke down a hostility wall between people. I love this, 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 this quote I found as I, as I studied for this. Um, it says, racism, bias, and prejudice, some of the things that many, many of us struggle with. It says, they are therefore an attempt to rebuild that wall of hostility between people. Yeah. The quote goes on to say, it is an insidious attempt to undo the finished work of Christ. Is in an attempt to undo the finished work of Christ. Family, please understand that that gospel-centered racial reconciliation, gospel-centered reconciliation begins with what Christ accomplished on the cross. That's where it begins. And then it flows from a spirit-empowered obedience and a demonstration of who we are in Christ. None of us ought to dare define racial reconciliation as simply diversity or think that that, that our church or any church, for that matter, uh, is racially reconciled simply because we're diverse. If we do that, I believe that, that we're misleading ourselves and we're misleading the culture. See, because as Christ followers and the church, we ought to lead culture, not the other way around. We ought to lead culture, not the other way around. And so I love this, Pastor Chris, in verse, in verse 20, he says, the life I now live, mm-hmm. goes on to say, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, now, now family, this is, this is so important for me because personally, Christ's sacrifice and love for me, it's, it's what keeps me committed to the process of racial reconciliation because uh, it keeps me committed to the process of not only accepting people but loving them. Because family, that's, that's what he did for me. That's what he did for you. And so that's what keeps me committed to this process. He loved me and he accepted me even when I was living life my own way, and get this, even when I was enjoying sin. And so as I reflect on where we are as a country, I think about my own life and my own walk with Christ. And I ask myself the question, how can I not, how can I not extend the same, the same things that God has done for me? How can I not extend that to another person, regardless of their race or their background, regardless of that? How can I not extend that to someone else? Because Pastor Chris, for me, I'll be honest, this this is bigger than just being kind to one another. It's bigger than that for me. It's about the agreement and the the recognition of the value and worth of every single human being. It's, it's, It's about me saying personally that I agree with God. I agree with God that every human being has worth and every human being has value. And my life is a demonstration of the recognition of that. And so personally, am I, am I committed to the process of, of, of unity and racial, r- racial reconciliation? Absolutely I am. Because Christ has never not been committed to me. Christ has never not been committed to me. And so as a reminder, this... this, this uh, story that we talked about today and, and talking about being committed to, to speaking up and to living out the gospel. This, this thing, as, as Pastor Chris talked about, had, had Paul not done this, maybe we wouldn't be here. And similarly for us today, this, our speaking up and our commitment to speaking up and to living out, it has a ripple effect. has a ripple effect. Because this awkward situation between Peter and Paul and everybody who stood, stood witness, it's, it, it worked for our good. It worked for our good. And now watch this. It, w- it, was, it was good for everybody involved. It was, it was good for Paul because he stayed true to the gospel. It was good for Peter because he was corrected and even more, I believe, convinced of the truth. It was b- good for Barnabas because he was led to correct belief. It was good for everybody around because they, they had a, 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 an example of, of, of someone standing up for the truth and living out the gospel. And as we said a couple times over, it's it's good for us today. And so so our commitment as a church to speak up and to live out the gospel will bless people for many, 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 many years to come.
5: You know, just remember, sorry. Um, Who's the one that stands up and speaks up when Paul and Barnabas come at the Jerusalem council in Acts 15? about the question of circumcision and whether Gentiles have to be circumcised and basically live under the law, they go back and forth and who's the one that stands up and says enough and gives the closing argument? It's Peter, yeah. it's Peter. Wow, wow. I wonder if he thought back on this moment.
4: Hmm. that's so good, that's so good.
5: And I wonder if we'll think back on this moment.
4: Yeah, yeah. And
5: what God did in our hearts and, and, and listen, you know, for many of you, you were examining your hearts. You, 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 Before we even came into this series, you were asking God to, to show anything in, in your life of partiality or racism or injustice or whatever it might be for you. Um, and I just want to encourage you as your pastor just just to continue that Psalm 139, 23, and 24 prayer of, you know, search me, O God, begin with me. because Because not only just in this moment, and, and speaking up and living out the gospel, but you never know what is to come mm-hmm. and how God might use this formative moment that's been difficult, no doubt, yeah. that's been frustrating, that can be confusing, yeah. um, that, that can be, that can be in, some, in some ways really, you know, tap into anger and, and all kinds of stuff that's there and disappointment and disillusionment. But let's not waste it. Let, yeah. let, let's allow God to use even all of that difficulty to make us more into His image, not only for the sake of bringing him glory, but we never know the opportunity that's waiting down the road that God might use your voice in your life to speak into another moment.
4: Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, w- I want to I begin to close here by, by saying a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And <clears throat> the quote says this. It says, Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of bro- brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children, for all of God's children. And so, family, our bottom line is simply this. The gospel commits us to speak up and to live out the gospel. Gospel commits us to speak up and to live out the gospel. And don't, be, don't misunderstand this. This is, this is a moment-by-moment commitment a moment-by-moment commitment. But we'll get there, family, if we commit to doing this together. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. God, our Father, thank you for giving us as your church a voice to speak out, but not only to speak out, God, but to live out your gospel. God, we ask that you would forgive us for any ways in which we have Individually or collectively been complicit with the injustices in the world. But God, since you are faithful and you are just, you continue to give us opportunities to, to, to be upright, to be just, and to be holy in your sight. So we pray, God, that, that we would take full advantage of this opportunity that you've given us, knowing full well that we cannot do this without you. Help us, God, as we move forward, to move forward by faith, not in our own efforts, not in our own works. But to take pride and the privilege to partner with you so that both righteousness and justice can not only be done in heaven, but it can be done here on earth. Thank you for the mighty work, God, that that you have done, that you're doing, and that you will do. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of that work. In Jesus' name. Amen.
5: Well, thank you so much, New City family, for joining us today as we finish our series, Blind Spots. You can go further, as Pastor Rodney mentioned, with a website that we've created of resources, uh, lots of great books, uh, uh, study guides, videos, ways to engage every member of the family, adjustcity.us. And I want to thank Pastor Rodney for his leadership Um, in this series and all throughout. We're really grateful uh, for our time together. Won't you join us next week? And would you extend your hands as we close our time together today for a benediction? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May he turn his face towards you this week. And may the Lord today and always fill you with his peace and his mercy and his love. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. We love you, New City. This may be the end of our blind spot series, but we don't
1: want this to be the end of our conversation.
0: That's right, and I just want to remind you guys of that website that we created, adjustcity.us, and specifically, I want to recommend to you a study, Oneness Embraced, that you can do either as an individual or as a group.
1: We love you, New City. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.